don't know about you, but when I first watched that, I was like, I am like the worst husband ever. <laughs> I have nothing to complain about compared to that, what that couple in a world sense could complain about. Now, before we hear um, and ask Taylor and Paul to repeat after me and, and then sign the license and ask if any of you have an issue with what they're about to do, which I have to say, by the way, there's two things that I have to say as a licensed officiant. If you have anything, any issue with them getting married, and number two, I have to say that they're declared married by the province of Ontario. I don't know if you knew that, but those are the two things that I have to say. Technically, if I don't say them, you're not actually married. So there's a lot of weddings going on out there that are missing one key important piece. But you know what? There's nobody there from the government present, obviously, to, to judge it. So that's fine. They get the papers and they will sign off on it. But what I wanted to just kind of talk a little bit about today before we get started is marriage. And I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a lot of people that are very, very pessimistic um, these days towards marriage. I was at a wedding yesterday because I uh, officiated a wedding yesterday afternoon. And so this will be two in one weekend, which is like a, a sweet thing. Um, and during this reception, they had a number of things read off about uh, stereotypical guy stuff, stereotypical girl stuff. And what the end of the day result was is that um, most of the time we look out for ourselves when it comes to marriage. Uh, and people get married nowadays for actually very, very selfish reasons. They're getting married to better themselves. Uh, what can this other person do for me rather than what can I do for this other person? You hear it all the time. Well, this person uh, is attractive. This person is, will be a great a mother one day. This person um, will actually help my portfolio. This person actually makes quite a bit of money. And the list could go on and on and on about why this person is good for you because of what they do for your, I guess, in essence, your portfolio, your self-image. But what we forget about is what can this other person, how can they challenge you? I heard someone say once, they said marriage is not for the purpose of making you more happy. It's for the purpose of making you more holy or more like Christ. And Christ went to the cross and died on the cross for us. And so in Ephesians 5, when Paul writes and talks about how a marriage is supposed to work, he talks at the very core of it is getting rid of the self-centered heart that you have and simply loving the other person that you're in a relationship with. Um, there's been a huge, enormous decline in marriage over the past 40 years. I just want to read some, some stats just about the opinions towards marriage. All of us have heard about the divorce rate, but I just want to simply mainly talk about people who are now avoiding marriage and, and reasons for that. So over the last 40 years, empirical evidence of marriage, health, and satisfaction in the U.S. So we're looking at U.S., but Canada... Um, they would suggest is even a little bit more liberal than uh, because of the southern states and what they add to the, the line. But the stats have been a steady decline. Um, the divorce rate nowadays is nearly twice it was in 1960. In uh, 1970, 89% of all births were married to married partners, but today only 60% of children are married um, to partners that are uh, married. Over 72% of American adults were married in 1960, but only 50% in 2008. Um, there's this increased wariness and pessimism about marriage in our culture, and it's especially if you're younger adults who believe, one, their chances of having a good marriage are not great, and two, uh, they will get sexually bored if they're in uh, a romantic relationship with simply one person, which is why many people uh, are aiming for something in the middle, uh, primarily cohabitation uh, with a sexual partner. 
And the result is this, that today more than half of all people live together before they're getting married. In 1960, uh, no one did this at all. Currently, one quarter of all unmarried women between 25 to 39 are currently living with a partner, and by the late 30s, the rise is 60%. And there is talk circulating about making marriage completely contractual, whereby a couple will sign a contract for 5 years, 10 years, 15 years, or 20 years, and when that time comes to a close, the couple can either choose to renew their marital contract or they can just part ways and financially both people are, I guess, in better situations and fine. So this morning we're not actually going to do that with Paul and Taylor. Presently we still have a marriage covenant, which means a marriage that lasts forever. They're committing to a lifelong commitment to one another, not for the next five or ten years. But as you can imagine, financially, this is where a lot of people are thinking. Now, just a couple of things to say. We believe marriage was God's idea. We believe God officiated the very first marriage between Adam and Eve. And at the end of the scriptures, in Revelation 21 and 22, the Bible ends with a marriage, which is Christ and his church. And so what I want to do is make a, a bit of a difference between Christian marriage and maybe the marriage that we might see at some point in the state or in our world. If you were a Christian, what I'm going to describe today about the expectations of a Christian in marriage is as God has described them in the Bible. Um, But for those of us that maybe don't subscribe to the Bible, you can do it however you want, but I would challenge you to try some of these things and just to see what happens. Uh, For one thing, in Ephesians 5, it says that couples are to try to out-submit one another. So Christian couples, you have to submit to one another and love one another and serve one another. If you're not a Christian couple, then I just challenge you for the next week to try to out-submit each other and see what happens in your relationship. Guaranteed, it will go well. Okay, so just a challenge there. But here's some reasons why people don't get married. Um... These days, uh, number one, most marriages are unhappy, so why not try living together first to discover whether or not we are compatible? Uh, we'll check and see if the person uh, will keep our interests and if chemistry is high enough. Now, one of the problems with this is that there's substantial evidence shows that those living together are more likely uh, to get divorced. Um, and most divorces of the 45% who get divorced account for those who marry before 18, dropped out of high school, and who've had a baby together prior to marriage. So if you're well-educated with a decent income, come with in-contact marriage uh, and family and religious rights, um, marriage um, and marry after 25, uh, your chances are low of actually getting. So when we see the stat of 45%, much of us are actually thinking of the, the times of the people that are 18 and lower getting married so on and so forth. Uh, I think another reason um, people don't get married is financial stability. A lot of people would like to first get into place financially. What's interesting, though, is that a study showed recently that couples who were continuously married had 75% more wealth at retirement than those who never married or who divorced and did not remarry. More remarkably, married men have been shown to earn 10 to 40% more than single men with similar education and job histories. And the suggested reason for this is, number one, married people experience greater physical and mental health. And number two, marriage creates greater personal responsibility and self-discipline. If I did not want to get self-disciplined or to have my flaws pointed out, I would not have gotten married. Because the moment you live with somebody, they automatically see your worst at play. Right, So when I come home at the end of the day, or when I want to go to bed and I leave my clothes all over the floor, um, if there was no other person there, I'd be able to say, man, I'll clean it up later. Uh, it'd be like my brother's room right now. My brother lives with us. His room is a mess. If um, <laughs> Sorry, I just totally threw Aaron under the bus there. But it just shows the difference between a single dude and a married dude, because our room, I cannot leave my, floor, my clothes all over the floor forever. 
right? If I didn't want that to be pointed out, well, then I shouldn't have gotten married. Uh, number three, uh, why people are avoiding marriage, I think it's more the cultural norm um, that everyone else is kind of doing it, that, you know, everyone kind of lives together, so the next step in a relationship is to live together. Um, for some people, it's marriage as an institution, uh, and wedding culturally. I don't know if I put some of these, yeah, marriage is an institution. I talked to somebody the other day, I said, oh, so you're going to get married? They're like, well, I don't really like the institution of marriage. I said, okay, and then there's the differences over culturally, like historically, what the difference of like a marriage ceremony actually looks like. And so they said, no, I'd rather not. But it's interesting, if you avoid all institutions, if you kind of make that claim for marriage as an institution, you've got a lot of institutions to avoid. Because <laughs> a lot of our kind of culture and everything now is fairly institutionalized, so you can avoid that. And then the fifth thing, and I think this is a, a large understanding of what pe- most people think, at least at this wedding yesterday that I did, so this is all fresh, but most married couples are unhappy being married. <laughs> so why would I get married if all married couples are unhappy? Like, it looks rather boring, so why would I want to? And the thing is, in our culture and society, they don't highlight a, a wonderfully happy married couple in movies, because in essence, that would be kind of boring. So we highlight ones that have a little bit more uh, risk to them, or ones that break up, get back together again. And the problem with this is that the number of married people who say they are very happy is high, uh, about 61%. And that's little change in the stat over the last decade. And longitudinal studies demonstrate that two-thirds of those unhappy marriages out there will become happy within five years if people stay married and not to get divorced. Uh, I heard recently that about 70% of people who had gotten divorced said that if they knew all of the pain and stress and torment that they would need to go through for that divorce, they would have tried harder uh, when they were married, or would have looked at other ways of having help to get through things. So as a result, there's high pessimism towards marriage, and today, less than one-third of high school senior girls who you would think would want to get married, and only slightly more than a third of boys, seem to believe marriage is more beneficial to individuals than the alternatives, which avoids all evidence which says the exact opposite. So people in our culture are just saying no to marriage. And as I said, if they're not Christians, that's fine. Do your thing. But it's interesting, as we see in the 1960 forward, it's interesting to see that the stats of those succeeding in marriage are dropping once kind of the mind shift changes. And this kind of relates to a bit of what happened historically. And there's kind of some new reasons for marriage. And I think the first reason that our culture now sees the reason for marriage is compatibility. And I've got to find the perfect person. Um, But when you think about the perfect person, it's actually a myth. Um, to find somebody that's perfectly like you. Because if you don't find that person, then you've screwed up somebody else out there that's looking for their perfect person, and you've screwed it up for somebody else who's looking for their perfect person. And as you can see, the domino effect kind of takes um, its effect, right? That, oh, if you messed up if you messed up and married the wrong person, there's somebody else that did as well. Um, in Historically, uh, marriage was for the good of the society, was for the good of community, and in the 18th and 19th century, in the Enlightenment phase, uh, people started to become a lot more individualistic and started to focus on marriage as somebody who can make myself better. And so I think over the last 50 years, we've really seen that take its full effect. Um, Timothy Keller says his book, In the Meaning of Marriage, which is fantastic, he says, So in our society, we are too pessimistic about the possibility of monogamy because we are too idealistic about what we want in a marriage partner. And this all comes because we have a flawed understanding of the purpose of marriage itself. Um, you will realize very quickly, if you're looking for somebody, that there's no such thing as the perfect person. I thought, Andre, the first moment I met her was perfect. 
I just thought was like, she is amazing. And you all probably really like Andre. Andre is like one of the most likable people that I've ever met in my entire life. If you don't like Andre, you've got an issue with yourself. <laughs> um, you've got a great counseling. I'm seriously not kidding you. She's one of the nicest people ever. And I'm not just saying that. Can I get a hand if you just think Andre is like super nice? Like, not many people have a straight up issue with Andre. If anyone could, it could be her sister Jasmine and me, her husband. Now, <laughs> I will say that Andrea is not a perfect person. There are things about her that drive me insane. And as much as we are maybe fairly compatible, there are things every single day that I've got to learn to deal with about her that she's got to learn to deal with about me. And I'm, uh, I will be honest, she's probably got way more to deal with when it comes to me. I am a big tool a lot of the times. Um, but I am thankful that she sticks it out. And you'll never find the perfect person. You'll never find something that's perfectly compatible. There's no such thing. And so in marriage, we've got to not be looking for, how is this person better for me, but how can I better this other person? And then number two, happiness. Um, There's a second reason people get married. Well, let me tell you, happiness only lasts for so long. Um, Some people talk about the honeymoon phase. Uh, The month or two or three after Andre and I got married, we were like infatuated with each other. And then stuff started to like (laughs) poke at us. Like, really? You think that? Really? That's how you want to live life? That's how you grocery shop? That's how you do this? That's how... How do you think that way? Like, it makes no sense based upon my upbringing and her upbringing. And what you realize very quickly is, okay, I did not get into this marriage necessarily to be happy. I got into this marriage because over time I can be very joy-filled. And that comes through a commitment, a love, a constancy, a willingness to sacrifice for one another. Um, And that's just my experience so far. So there's many people in here that have been married far longer than Andre and I have. So you can talk to them about some of the stuff they've gone through and pushed through and things like that. But it was not because they got into marriage because they wanted to get more happy. Certainly happiness happens. Alright? Like Andrea a lot of time makes me happy. Uh, seeing her belly grow with our baby inside of it makes me happy. Um, I wouldn't have had that if I wasn't in a relationship with her. But if the sole purpose of us getting married was for happiness, our relationship would simply fall apart. Because there are days where I wake up where she does not make me happy. And there's days where she wakes up and I do not make her happy. But guess what? That's marriage. And at the end of the day, it's a joy to be married to someone. Share your life with someone. And um, just experience life together. Uh, A lot of people now are actually saying, well, why don't we do away with marriage? Uh, If there's so much issue, why don't we just do away with it altogether? Um, Well, here's the thing. The evidence of those who practice a traditional marriage, exclusive monogamous relationship, bring enormous benefit. So there's still a lot of benefit that's being taken from monogamous loving relationships. Some people have said, well, let's let's do away with marriage and just have couples that then can get go out there and like have sex with whoever they want because then sexual fulfillment will be higher. But what's interesting is people who have done that will actually say that it either harmed their relationship or they were actually unsatisfied when they actually went and were able to do that. So there is something to say about monogamous, exclusive relationship. And there has never been a culture in history where marriage was not central to human life. So we could argue culturally on that one, but marriage has always been central. And even though the number of married people has decreased, the desire for marriage stays the same. So there's still this profound longing for someone to be married. I think when we all watch this video, I know for myself, I'm like, wow, that is beautiful. Like, how could you do that? That's unbelievable. And we're all, I think, inside of us, there's this desire. Like, that would be, like, amazing. 
to like love somebody that much. And I'm sure they have issues. Like if you're watching that being like, wow, they're perfect. They're not, right? They, I'm sure, have issues that every single day they've got to deal with. So this all leads us to wonder, like, what is marriage for? Like, why do two people get married? If it's not for happiness, if it's not for finding the perfect, compatible person with you, then why do people get married? And so to do that, I want to go to the Bible, and I just want to name four reasons why people get married according to Genesis 1 and 2. Now, the key thing to note about Genesis 1 and 2 is this is before everything got messed up. Genesis 3, everything falls apart. Everything gets broken. There is tons of brokenness up here with this wax going everywhere, so I better hurry up. But there are four reasons why I believe people get married according to Genesis 1 and 2. And we see this at the very first wedding between Adam and Eve. Um, In Genesis 2.24, God is officiating this first marriage. Adam has been alone. God creates Eve. And then he says this, that is why, this is his kind of declaration, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. They're no longer two separate people, they're now one flesh to be thought of as one group of people, one person. Now the interesting thing is as we read this, uh, it says, and they become one flesh, and the word that is also, we can find the word for. So it says, for this reason, a man and woman leave their father and mother and hold fast to their wife. Now what's interesting is that Adam and Eve at this point, as we read in the scriptures, do not have a father and mother. So why would God even say that? Is that even necessary to say? But for some reason he says it, I believe as a declaration of what is to come. And then he also says, for this reason. But it doesn't give us a reason, unless you go backwards. So the very first reason I believe people get married, number one, is found in Genesis 2, verse 18, that says this. The Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now what's interesting is up until this point, everything is in perfect harmony and loveliness. Adam is alone with God. He's naked. He's walking the garden, having a great time. No shame. Yet he's still lonely. He's naming the animals. And he's not finding a suitable partner for himself. So we read that he's lonely. So if you are single, and there has been somebody in the church that has come up to you and said, just love God more, and you won't be lonely. They're liars. All right? You were created for relationship. We were created in the image of God, who's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so what that means is that we are also to be in relationship. So if you desire to be in relationship with somebody, perfectly natural, perfectly normal, Adam desired that as well. Okay? The problem post-fall is where we look for those things, for that satisfaction, for that desire of not being lonely anymore. So the very first reason two people get married is for friendship, for companionship, to do life together. Some of my favorite memories in my life so far are spent with Andrea. We love doing life together. One thing that we, we often say is, it's great being married because you wake up beside your best friend. Like, we love that. I, when, first thing that I said, it's like, it's like having sleepovers, like, constantly. <laughs> now, again, there are times where I don't want to wake up beside her because she's annoying me, and I'm annoying her. But for the most part, at least right now, we love waking up beside each other. Even though in the morning her breath stinks, and mine does too, and all of those things. You're doing life together. We share our money together. We share everything together. We do grocery shopping together. And I hate grocery shopping. But we do these things together. It's for friendship, companionship. I hate grocery shopping, Taylor. I think it's awful. But Andrea says, we didn't get married to do things alone. So I go out and we do grocery shopping together. We've got a bit of a routine, but I'm figuring it out. Anyways. <laughs> friendship and companionship is one of the reasons for marriage. So you can be with somebody. Enjoy life together. Go adventure. Be on adventures. Like, 
that is one of the reasons that God created marriage, so you wouldn't be lonely. Number two, gardening. Now, before you're like, I hate gardening, uh, this is what I mean by that. In Genesis 1, verse 28, God says, be fruitful and increase in number, we'll get there. But he also says, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over every living thing that moves on the ground. Now, rule in Hebrew really means to partner with God in taking the world somewhere. So it's not like we're remaining stagnant. We're partnering with someone and with God to take the world somewhere, to fix what we see outside, to be part of the, the, the restoration of humanity and to have somebody to do that with. And subdue means to harness the raw materials that make up the planet and make something beautiful. In other words, we were made to work for human flourishing. So work nowadays is seen as this thing that I need to do to live. But God actually created us to work, to, to enjoy and one of the greatest things and one of the greatest points of advice and reasons for this is that your relationship cannot exist in and of your relationship. You can only sit at planet beings staring into each other's eyes for so long before you get completely bored with one another. If your relationship exists solely for your relationship, it will not last. So what this means is that marriage is so two people can come together and pursue a calling or to do something together, to take the raw materials of our world and to pursue something. Uh, for Andre and I, right now, one of our greatest callings is this church. Planting this church and partnering together and doing this well and loving one another well and serving alongside each other. If we didn't have this or if we didn't have something like this to be part of, we would probably get bored with each other. So it's important in a relationship to have a calling, a gardening project that you take on together. So what this means, women who are single, do not date a guy who does not have some sense of gardening project or calling. If his calling is video games at home, you're probably not going to want to play with him all that much, and that is going to get very, very boring. Find a guy that sees that the world is bigger than just himself. Find a guy that wants to get out there and to take the raw materials of our world and to do something with them. Find a guy that wants to be part of the restoration of this world. Not a guy that just wants to sit at home and look at porn and do all those sorts of things. Find a guy that cares about what's going on out there. Because if you can then see a guy that does that as God does with Eve, he says, go join him. And Eve comes and joins. So guys, also, find a woman that's willing to join you in your gardening project. If you find a girl that is not into what you want to do or what you feel like you're called to do, get her. Because you'll be in this constant fight with what you feel like you're called to do and with what she wants you to be called to do. So find a gardening project, find a calling. Number three, this is amazing for us people that are married. Adam and Eve were both naked and they felt no shame. Genesis 2 verse 25. Two naked people in the garden without shame, loving one another's bodies. All right? One of the reasons for marriage, the third reason for marriage, is sex. Believe it or not, uh, you can study science and psychologically and biologically what sex does to a couple. Sex is not just physical. It's not just physical at all. It's something happens, your endorphins are released, and it bonds two people to one another. And I will tell you, and I will be straight up honest with you, when Andre and I are not having sex, every other area of our relationship struggles. But when we are having sex with one another, every other part of our relationship is made better. It's helped. It's encouraged because we're bonded in that way. So one of the reasons for marriage is sex. It's not like God looked down on Adam and Eve and was with them there in the garden and said, that is not what I created those things for. <laughs> Instead he said, way to go guys, keep it up. But a lot of times we don't talk about that in the church, or we don't talk about that at all when it comes to marriage. You're supposed to enjoy one another, experience one another, uh, make love with one another. It's what bonds two people together. And number four, 
God then says in Genesis 1, verse 28, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth. Make babies. Have kids. Adopt kids. Foster kids. Have a family. Procreate. Teach them things. Teach them about me. Have a great time with them. It's one of the reasons God created marriage. Now what's interesting is that then in Genesis 3, everything changes. By the next couple chapters, the first murder has happened. A few chapters later, people are thinking of themselves greater than God. A few chapters later, relationships are falling apart. A few chapters later, polygamy starts happening. Uh, one man thinking that he can marry as many women as he wants. What's interesting about scripture is it doesn't take one culture approach to its teaching on marriage. It always challenges the status quo of the culture. So the desire for God in Genesis was one man, one wife, monogamous marriage, as it was later when multiple um, partners and things were going on later into the Roman century. So what's interesting about this is that you're probably listening today, and if you're from a relationship, you probably are thinking, well... That's great, but I have seen issues in this, in in family, I've seen issues in sexuality, I've seen issues in friendship, and I've certainly seen issues in a gardening project, and frankly, we don't have one. That's all the results of this brokenness, of this fall. But what I believe God's desires and why he sent Jesus is to exemplify for us and to fix things so that then we can desire back to what marriage was originally for. And so that process is called recreation. We're being reminded of getting back to what was it was originally intended for. Now, as I said, we can continue doing it the other way. We can continue making marriage all about self. We can continue to seek marriages that are going to make us happy. But I believe if we continue to seek those things above some of these four things, notice that most of them are not self-focused. They're another person-focused, two-person-focused. I think we're going to continue to see the decline in the desire for marriage and culturally for what marriage actually is for. Um, I think this is a helpful thing to ask a couple when you are spending time with them. What's your relationship for? What will your marriage be for? Uh, I typically ask couples before I marry them, I say, you know, why are you together? What do you love about one another? What's going to hold you together when you can't stand the other person that's in the room there with you? And most couples simply say love. I'm in love with them. That's great. But you will have days where it's going to need to go beyond just your love for them because there will be days where you're not necessarily going to feel that. But you're called because of the commitment that you have made to stick through it and to be there with them. Now, what's so beautiful about what we now get to experience and do is that Paul and Taylor are making this commitment to one another. They're saying, hey, well, Taylor's coming up with calling here, and this is beautiful too, as a a portion of uh, what family is for. But what's awesome about this is that they are making this commitment, and what they're doing as well is they're experiencing this recreation, this, hey, there are some ways in our relationship that things happen, and we want to like solidify this, this experiences that we've had. We've experienced the friendship, we've experienced um, the gardening, we've experienced the sexuality, we've experienced the kid, and we love him, and we're committed to him, but we also want everyone else to know that we're committed to one another, and we're committed to Jesus for what he allows us to do in our relationships as we commit ourselves to him and to the other people that are going to be around us. The amazing thing about this, and what we're doing with Paul and Taylor here, is that they're not just getting married, and it's just going to be the soul or them. They have all of us around them supporting them and encouraging them. And we not forget that in relationships, we need to have a community around us that love, encourage, and support us. 
as we get married, as we commit ourselves to one another, as we love one another well. And so you guys, I think today is a perfect example of how much love and support you have from the people that are around you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite Paul and Taylor up right now, if that's cool. You guys are going to come up.
Okay, so Dan, if you want to come up, Phil, if you could come and play uh, the drums for this song, Phil is here. He made me play the drums for the last three. So Phil, you come up, we're going to play from the inside out. So you guys can come on over here. We need two witnesses for either of you.